Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 525 of the JV Club with my boy of summer, Mr. Doug Benson. Y'all know who Doug Benson is. He's fantastic. I have known him for many years, and I'm so excited to finally have him on the JV Club. So check it out, and I'll talk to you next week. I'm sorry that it took so long for us to be in one place at the same time without some life thing happening. Yeah, well, primarily to be. You've been through some stuff, so uh, you know I understand. And I also I never mind uh, postponing a Zoom call because <laughs> you know it's like it's not like I was you know canceled big plans for it you know what i mean it was like well now i'll just use that hour to do you know do other stuff around the house or whatever you know like um i appreciate it yeah so it's not an it's not a problem um i don't know what made me think of this but for some reason when you said this is this is how my brain is working right now when you said i could do stuff around the house what i thought was I saw some dollhouses <laughs> in, in New York City on Monday while I was killing time after a flight had been canceled and I was in the city of New York and did not have a hotel anymore and was like, well, I guess I'll walk around. Oh, a dollhouse store. And, uh, and so I went in. So it, it disturbs me that you saying doing something around the house made me conjure a literal image of the dollhouse that I just was looking into and the fact that someone had made a tiny like gerbil in that had a little wheel and I did that thing out loud like I made a sound out loud like like someone's you know 75 year old aunt I was like oh look at that oh that's very clever she said to no one in particular yeah tiny stuff those ladies go around doing that all day (laughs) just say things to people whether there's anybody around or not yeah it's a slippery slope because i feel like yeah there's those little tendencies are starting to ease into my repertoire in a way that's very (laughs) like lobster in a boiling pot kind of scenario i think (laughs) what kind of old man do you think you're going to be um, that's a great question because, uh, I'm currently grappling with the fact that, uh, I still, there's still so many situations in my life that when I'm in them, I feel like a kid. Yeah. You know, I get that. Me too. I feel like I've really not grown up. Uh, you know, I feel like because of being, going into show business and it actually kind of working out. I've just been able to be, you know, Peter Pan principal or whatever you want to call it. I just uh, have never. So now in any situation where there's authority figures or, (laughs) you know, uh, or anything where I feel like when I was young, I was always like the times I traveled alone, I was so proud of myself. And now Uh as an adult man, when I travel alone, I still get that feeling. You know, of like, I can't believe I'm doing this and I and I'm in, you know, it's really happening. I get that. Is that is so is that an example? Like, that's an example of the sort of positive side of it. Is there an example of it that feels like, oh, shit, I should be better at this by now? Or is it kind of all the Peter Pan side? 
Well, you know, it's also <clears throat> the societal guilt of never getting married or having kids. Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a straight man, you know, it's like, well, what? Why didn't you do those things? You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I will say I do. We are in the right environment for having made you know, less ordinary choices. And I don't mean ordinary in a dismissive way, but right. it is more of an environment where, you know, like if I step out, so I think about some of the, you know, sort of communities I'm part of, like the Thrilling Adventure Hour or whatever, and like like little groups that I can look at, I feel like there are a disproportionate amount of people who did not have children to the rest of much of the United States, if not the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So we're not in the worst group for not feel but do you, but you still feel like you kind of get that do you get that from who like who gives you a hard time about that is it no that's just you know, it is it's just yeah. like movies and tv and twitter uh-huh. and, you know it's like it rarely comes directly at me you know every once yeah. in a while somebody be like you know you seem you know like uh uh you know a grown-up adolescent or whatever but um yeah it's never like most of the things that I grapple with these days, it's never in my face. It's just in I see it in media and get mad about it or frustrated. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like that I'm not in because, a yeah. I'm not in a workplace to sit around arguing with people that don't that I don't see eye to eye with. You know, I'm like yeah doing my own thing all the time. So like I never really get in those conversations. And you thus you don't have to defend it which means you also don't get to defend it so you can't be like i'm married to my work or like i'm <laughs> i'm i'm married to my childhood <laughs> yeah well i saw pete holmes one time came out somewhere and just talked about you know how much uh like his job is sort of like his he has a like that's uh important to him like a relationship would be but now mm-hmm. he's married and has uh, a kid, so I don't know. I don't know where he stands on, on all that now. <laughs> but uh, nothing's changed. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he did. He, he, you know, it, it is. Uh, he found the right woman apparently because you know he re- before he met her. I think he was very clear all the time about you know I'm I'm really married to my career and that's what I'm most concerned about. And yeah. uh, I think he's you know he that's the thing also is I just see it happen over and over again. Uh, men that, you know, think they're not going to have kids or think they don't want to have kids uh, just end up in a situation where they have, you know, <laughs> it just happens, you know, they either get somebody yep. pregnant or they get in a relationship with somebody who has kids. And then next thing you know, it's like the greatest thing that ever happened to them. And, yep. and then also that whole line of trying to convince me, you know, well, if you have a kid, then, you know, everything, <laughs> you'll, your mindset will change. I'm like, yes, it will, because I, there's no reversing that. And I'm, I'll try to be good at it. I'm not going to be, you know what I mean? I don't, I'm not yeah. looking forward to abandoning a child or being a terrible father. But at the same time, I'm, <laughs> I just don't want to be a father. <laughs> yep. Yep. I totally is that was that something that you ever thought? Because I definitely have friends who always knew that they wanted kids and and that is not like even in high school like and 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 i that was the furthest thing i could possibly imagine then i obviously didn't do it now so it's not not super close in my mind now but when i was a teenager i was like what how are you even how do you know that like why why do you know that people dream of getting married and having kids like you know, like it's really something they, fa- they it's like a fantasy, like to some young people or I don't know what 
I don't know why that gets in their heads. I don't know why they can't just in, enjoy their lives for a while and, you know, and get situated, like fi- deciding what your career is going to be and then getting good enough at it to actually earn a living at it. I mean, that's a, it's a lot of work to also be in a relationship and, and, you know, maybe already having children, you know? Yeah. So you weren't, you, when you were a teenager, you weren't like <laughs> rubbing your hands together thinking Mm-mm. about. No, <clears throat> I did not want to get with the other girls to procreate. I wanted, you know, pure, it was pure hedonistic uh, approach to, uh, you know, I, I've never thought of it as like, you know, uh, uh, sex is a way to make babies because that's uh, I'm not interested in that aspect of it. So, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's also it's been helpful to me that I've always, you know, I've, I've never been I, the only time I was, was with somebody who was baby crazy, like really, really was gunning to have a baby. I just eventually stepped out of the, of the relationship for that and many other reasons. But, yeah. uh, you know, that was definitely a big red flag is that if for some reason she actually got pregnant or something, then she would really want to keep the baby. And I, I couldn't even be and even begin to tell her not to, you know. Right. Right. Were you were you a, a relationship guy in high school or were you like you were? Yeah, I, just, you know, by, just yeah. by fact that I was just grateful for if any one girl was interested <laughs> enough, I was grateful for it, you know. And so I was very, very down to to settle down into terms into like a, a monogamy with another high school student or like when I was in college, you know, my a couple of years, early years of college, I dated a girl who was finishing up high school. And uh, yeah. Those relationships in high school, I, I mean, I've obviously said this before, my podcast is about high school kind of, but um, those long-term relationships, even still to this day, to me at this age, seem insane just because my brain and my development just did not allow for that level of consistency kind of in any way. Um, I'm not (laughs) saying that was a good thing, but you know, my friends who are in these kind of high school marriages, I just didn't, I couldn't, it was like they were from another planet and part of me admired it. And part of me just, I didn't even have feelings about it. Like it wasn't that I like scorned it. It was just sort of like, what is that? What must that be like? Like, I can't (laughs) imagine you know? Yeah. So you, did you have that? Were you, was it like long-term, long-term? Like you, were you with the same girl no. all through high school or were you? No, just like, you know, uh, each of them, uh, uh, I probably had two girl, two girlfriends technically in high school, but one of them was when I was, you know, pretty much on the way out. So then I continued to see her while I went to college, uh, saw her for a while, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, you know, they would neither, neither the relationships weren't that great. It was more, you know, it's more like a friend that you sort of, you know, like, uh, I mean, I guess we call it, you know, you call each other boyfriend and girlfriend, but also there didn't feel like, oh, but we want to keep this going into, you know, we want to get married and all that. None of that was ever on the table for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was never those kind of discussions. It was always just sort of like, we're, you know, we're just hanging out together now. And, right. Uh, right. You know. Uh, but now ends up if it's long term, I just it, yeah, I, I time felt so like a year felt like forever when I was in high school. And so I, I, I yeah, like that feels like, you know, 
seven adult years. It's like <laughs> one year with someone in high school. It's like a dog dog year kind of situation, I think. Yeah, like, it's a lot. But you know, you get uh, you get separated from each other enough just because of all of life's commitments that it always, you know, it just always feels so pretty romantic that you're always trying to get back together, you know. And like when I was in my high school, you know, we couldn't text each other. So uh, it was about, you know, the the passing of notes, you know, and uh, you'd get like a note, you know, you'd meet up at, a, at your lockers and get a note. And then, you know, that you'd have something to read instead of paying attention in the next class. <laughs> because girls with their notes, oh, my God, they just used to go on and on and on. Uh, those are the days, man. Like I imagine getting a text that long now. And I just be like, what did Jonah Hill get my number? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the lists yeah. that he, he's texting her lists of stuff he doesn't want her to do like what lists or at least just put yeah. each one in a separate text oh god that kind of makes my stomach hurt like that feels like oh no that's Can you so uncomfortable imagine opening up a text oh, from god. somebody you love and it's a list of things you're not supposed to do oh god yeah that's not <laughs> that's that really it really it really hurts me it, it's it kind of hurts so me. bad Oh, my God. So, okay, well, I should put this in context. Where did you grow up? Where were you? What was your high school? Oh, like? right. Where were you? I, I, uh, my whole high school thing was that I feel like all the traumatic things that happened there and all the good things that happened there were all what I needed to head me into the life that I've chosen to live. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was just enough stress and just enough success. <laughs> <laughs> to, yep. uh, you know, I mean, I wasn't like ever the most popular kid, but I was never the least popular. You know, I always had enough uh, go- going on. Uh, so I grew up in, in San Diego and my high school is in a, a suburb of San Diego called La Mesa. And mm-hmm. it, it, I, you know, I haven't seen a ton of high schools and now I'm certainly not. There's no reason for me to be wandering around a high school, but uh <laughs> The topographically, I think one of the most interesting schools a person can go to, there was like all these levels and different buildings. And uh, you know what I mean? There was very few hallways per se. Like we were mostly outside all day in between classes, oh, okay. you yeah. know, and just that like, feels very San Diego, doesn't it? Like, yeah. Hey, listen, we're in San Diego. Let's design yeah. around that. Yeah. It was just also kind of on the side of a of a, of a hill. And so it was just kind of like, uh, you know, the school itself sort of had a, a view. And um, uh, the, but the thing that worked out best for me and, you know, it's why I always fight for when the subject comes up, I say that, you know, the arts, studying the arts in schools is so important, uh, yeah. is uh, my this particular school had a four year drama program. You know, it was a four-year high school. So I got to do four years of drama, drama class every day yeah. in, in a actual theater, like an operational little theater uh-huh. that they built in this school that I would just, whenever I wasn't in drama class, I was there rehearsing plays or just hanging out. Like, you know, I'd go there first at the beginning of the school day and hang around for a little bit before the first bell rings. Like, it was that kind of... Like it was yeah. just like a clubhouse and a safe haven because there was nobody bullied me in drama class. Like it yeah. wasn't even an issue. <laughs> you know, we all who got was along. Give, who was, so, <laughs> so you weren't the least you said you weren't the least popular kid, but you did. You still had people kind of giving you 
razzing you in a not super great way well i was because i was you know i was nerdy and not athletic you know uh in a traditional sense like in all the team sports i sucked and so it was you know the the respect i would get was from the the performance angle because in high school when i was in shows and stuff uh it, it would go well you know yeah. and so the other so lots of students would you know know me from that and so that sort of gave me a little uh you know right. cover of protection you you could say you know like sure um because at least i wasn't just some weird kid that, that you know had nothing going on that would get picked right. on you know and i wasn't like small or scrawny or anything i just wasn't uh, a fighter were you getting like the the funny roles or were they were you able to kind of get <laughs> to do a bunch of different stuff um you know what i mean were you typecast my my drama teacher was such a weirdo i mean i <laughs> i love her and she's like you know i would cite her as my number one you know uh positive influence in you know pursuing a career in uh, showbiz uh, and you know acting and love stuff is because she she would do plays that were too adult for us. They were too, you know, that weren't like, didn't have, like we did this one play that had no com comedic beats in it whatsoever, uh -huh. and, you know, and all the characters are just grown adults and there's only four <laughs> characters in it. So only four of us in a class of, I don't know how many drama students she had at the time, but you know, uh, only four people got parts and uh, it was just, it was just so weird. And then, yeah. And then she uh, would do, you know, like I got cast in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown without without being able to sing a lick. So um, they I mean, I could sing a little bit if everybody else was singing at the same time. And uh, so um, uh, they cast she cast me as Schroeder. But the one Schroeder really only has one big song in that musical. So uh, she uh, swapped it out. She gave that song to uh, the guy playing Linus. And I got a I got a thing that he had that was like a, a spoken word monologue, and the funny thing is, is when we'd perform the show, the the me doing the Linus part would get like an ovation at the end of oh. it, <laughs> and the guy playing Linus would just be standing there going, "That's not even what Schroeder's supposed to say." <laughs> that sucks <laughs> yeah for him yeah because we got to do it like they let us do it at a like uh in in el cajon in the valley next to la mesa where my home was they there's this big performing arts center that they let us uh let us do the show in so we even like did it with like a a, a thousand people or something in the audience oh wow and yeah that's a big deal yeah well it was it was wild i i also got to be in a couple of like uh kind of like not touring Broadway shows, but just sort of like, I don't know if this happens anymore, but like they'll just do a revival of a show somewhere and they'll hire a semi-famous actor to be in it. And so sure. I got to be in a couple of, couple of musicals that way. When I was in junior college, I was in the, you know, doing drama stuff there too. And uh, so I got roped into being, uh, you know, I've been in way too many musicals in my life for a person who's <laughs> never bothered to learn how to sing. And this was all before auto tune, so you really had to like just sing quietly in a group and hope to not get caught. Well, also, wait, are they using auto tune live in in musicals and stuff? You're about to blow my mind if that's true. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't think they are in musicals, <laughs> but in every, you know, what I mean, everything else, you no, can for get sure, away everything with, else, uh, 
you know, like if you're posting stuff online and stuff. And I, I, sang, I sang in some charity song recently and like, you know, or, you know, a couple of years ago, I say recently, anything that happened <laughs> just before the pandemic started. Yep. 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 <laughs> uh, do. But I did a song. I, you know, sang in a song, a Christmas charity song, you know, and I was just like, well, I, I don't know how to sing. And I went in there and in the booth and uh, sang my lines the best I could. And they gave me no notes. And I was like, oh, right. Auto tune. <laughs> did you hear the oh, final product? Right. It, yeah, because when I heard it, I went, oh, okay, you know, of course that sounds that fine. great. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever, like, have I been auto-tuned? I don't know if there's been a reason or an opportunity for me to have been auto-tuned, but now I'm really curious. Um, it doesn't like a fun toy to play with. It's one of those, like, mechanisms that has really run the gamut from being, you know, like novel to annoying to kind of cool because it was being manipulated to annoying again to now it's all of them at the same time. Like there, it's used in awesome ways. And then you'll like, you could, you know, put on a different song and be like, ugh, auto-tune. Yeah, well, it's just like with, you know, the, the, the strikes going on in Hollywood over the AI stuff. Like, I don't know, I don't know why musicians are striking over auto-tune. <laughs> like, I don't know why as soon as it started becoming a thing, real singers didn't just try to stop it, you know, because, yeah, you know, if anybody can sing, then what, you know, what's the point? What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. I love I love that you got a standing ovation for something that wasn't supposed to be your part. That's I said ovation. I said ovation, which is a sneaky way of sounding like oh, you're sorry. saying you got a standing ovation, but it just means everybody applauded wild. <laughs> you totally got me. <laughs> you totally got me. I'm so mad at you right now. I added the standing. God damn it. Yeah, because oh, why would there be just the ovation without the standing? <laughs> it's such a dumb thing to even bring up. But now that you say it, the idea that they would stand up in the middle of the show is also like super weird and unbelievable. <laughs> well, you know how parents can be, but no, it wasn't, uh, that wasn't the case. But it really, it, it was just one of those things that really worked out in my favor. But this drama teacher, like the things that she said to me that were positive and the times where she was said something negative to me, those are like those things that just never leave your, your head, oh, you know, God. like because yeah. she was so ended up being so impactful and she did this thing where she would not only stage musicals and shows uh you know with all the kids but she would also uh as part of the the classes she would force people to write and perform their own things okay and come up with their own like sketches and monologues and every year she'd put on a show and they do it for like two weeks every night in the theater there at the school. Uh, she put on a show called Smatterings. And it was just the best sketches and monologues that uh, like kind of auditioned for her uh, got to be in the show. So I'd be like in two sketches and then uh, a, a thing just by myself uh, one year. And the thing I did by myself, it might as well have been my first like my first stabs at stand-up comedy because it was five minutes of me just standing there, you know, talking and doing characters and, and, and basically a, 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 what could be considered a stand-up bit. I love it. And I didn't even know I wanted to be a stand-up. It was just an assignment, Yeah. you know, to like come up with things that could be in a, a show that's a bunch of sketches, you know? And, that's uh, really cool. And then the bit went over again I don't know if anybody stood, but it was a big ovation every time I did it. 
And uh, so it really, that just kind of, I think, really pushed me towards, you know, what I've become. Oh, my God. Absolutely. My drama teacher, I had all four years, um, but I can't I don't have very positive things to say about him I mean he there's there's a lot of time where I don't remember doing anything like unless we were rehearsing for a play I just remember people sitting around and we used Mm -hmm. to just sit in the dressing room in the dark and like tell stories and I I don't know there was just a lot of like oh this is a free period unless there was something specific being worked on and I, I, I don't think I thought this much about it when I was in high school but after the fact I was like wait because my dad taught at that high school. So before I ever went to that high school, all of a sudden I flashed to like, wait a minute, I went to a production of P.T. Barnum there and the, my drama teacher was playing P.T. Barnum. Oh my God. <sighs> Which I have never seen that show again and I'm kind of afraid to look to see if he has a love interest because... <laughs> oh God. I mean... He might He, he, he might cast not. himself as a star. He might not, yeah. or it might be pretty chaste, you know, or like, because uh, like, yeah. it's not a romance. It's more about him and his, you know, crazy circus building. I mean, the fir- look, here's the first problem with what you just said. It's more about him. That is the part that he gave himself. Yeah. In a high school drama production. All you got to do is imagine, you saw The Greatest Showman, right? Uh, yeah. It's the same story. Yeah. So like, you know that guy is like very much the center like he's a yeah. ring he's a ringleader basically like he's a yeah <laughs> i can't believe he got away with that i cannot <laughs> believe he got away with it not on my watch if i had been old enough there's oh. no way he would have cast himself in that show i would have that's put on, insane i you know i'm it's sure insane. it happens now that you mention it but i i don't you know i think most high school productions just the cast is the students you know yeah. they don't <laughs> yeah. the teacher's not in it and should be I gotta ask my dad about this. I, I wonder if, it, if if I'm lucky, he'll be like, "Oh no, the star uh, dropped out because he broke his leg, and Mr. Lee had to learn the part, you know, at the last minute." And by the way, Mr. Lee was white, so lest anyone um, picture something that isn't real, he sort of Mr. Lee looked like he looked like a, he looked like a character in like uh like a walter hill like western or something he looked like a you know he had like and i now that i'm saying that i'm realizing he probably kept his like white mustache and beard because from time to time in tucson westerns would be shot there so this is all really coming together and making a lot of sense i'm having a lot of insight into this man that i was too self-centered to have but it serves him right because he was self-centered too for casting himself in the star Wars show were you a movie buff uh when you were in 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 high school you said that you were more nerdy and stuff so were you like me like it was all movies and tv nerdery like i wasn't like you know smart math nerdery you know like that's the thing is i wasn't you know i wasn't like a poindexter i was like you know just uh a nerd just because i you know was so into you know movies and tv and stuff you know like uh i feel like there were a lot of really good celebrate the Convent like that, like celebrate the nerd, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like truly one of my favorite character actors and a wonderful human being is Curtis Armstrong. And it, it, like when I think about the career he had in the eighties, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Like he got to play a bunch of great characters. Yeah, he is always so funny and like just elevated. Uh, you know whatever was was going on because he always seemed smarter than the material. You know, he always yeah. seemed like he was above it all. His characters were always like, 
the one that even though he's a nerd, he was like, you know, really knew his place. Uh, yeah, the sense of yeah, the sense of like one one day maybe this I'll be past all this and you everyone will understand what a genius I am or something like. Yeah. Or in the case of Better Off Dead, just I guess he was at that. He seemed like he was never going to leave that high school, so never mind. But um, <laughs> but, but yeah, a very so nice I, man too. Did you say you you know him at all? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's he's so great. He's yeah. so great. Um, we got to do, we did a Better Off Dead uh, reading like table read. Um, but somehow I already knew him before that at Sketchfest because we already knew him to say come up come come up and do it. And I got to read Ricky's mom. Oh, um, that's awesome. Which was yeah, that was a that was a real treat. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so what were, did you have? Were you like encyclopedic knowledge of? You know, were you drilling down into like uh, my favorite filmmakers are? <laughs> yeah, a little of that, but uh, more just uh, the, you know the movies I like, seeing them over and over and over again. You know, I yeah. grew I I was in high school during Star Wars, so like. When that first Star Wars came out, it was just like, what do you want to do today? Let's go see Star Wars. You know, I must have seen it. And I was on the lower end of like a lot of people I knew saw it like 60, 70 times, you know, and I'm, oh my God. Know, I must have seen it like 20 or 30 because, you know, it was in theaters. It was in like one theater in San Diego for uh, almost two years, just one screen. That's pretty only, crazy. For only almost place two years. That's mind blowing. Yeah. No, that happened with. Uh, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, The Sound of Music, The Sting. There's a bunch of movies that growing up, I could just imagine the theater where that was playing. It's kind of like Broadway and like Phantom or, you know, any sure. long running show. You just think of that theater as, well, that's where that's been playing. <laughs> you know, yeah. like there hasn't been a new show <laughs> in the, the, the theaters that where Wicked is. There hasn't been anything, you know, it's just been Wicked. Like, and I don't even know. I think it's called the Gershwin. But, uh, yeah. you know, in, in San Diego, we had like five single screen big auditoriums that all all either don't exist anymore or they are you know yeah. multiplexes um but i think most of them just don't exist anymore and but that was the way et you know stuff like that where you know there's just the one spot you could go see it and um you know i was very like uh you know i lived in el cajon but some of these big theaters were like you know five seven miles away or something like that and like when you, you know when you're a kid and you don't have a car yet that's like that's sure. far away so like it was a lot of coercing parents and other people i knew to to get me to these uh theaters for these things and then once you know once i got a car then it was then it was on you know then i just go as far as i had to go to, to see what i wanted to see it's it's crazy too to just think about um like how much because I was also very into movies in high school but you know just how precious like just magazines and interviews with people making the movies was like whenever Entertainment Weekly you know started coming out or whatever just feeling like 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 that information felt so important <laughs> and and like safeguarded now there's the internet and it's like yeah you can just know everything you've ever wanted to know about a movie or the making of it or the locations or wherever just immediately whereas you know then it felt like to like be really i i sometimes i you know i do all these comic cons and stuff and and i wonder if that maybe because i always say like oh i wouldn't have gone to a comic con when i was younger because i was kind of precious about the stuff i liked i didn't necessarily want to share it with a group of people who felt similarly i was like this is mine mine but 
I wonder if maybe I would have gone because that would be the thing you would do to show that's like leveling up on your on your on your nerdom on your wonkness of of a thing that you love you know what i mean absolutely but you know uh i grew up in san diego so comic-con was like something that i started going to uh you know pretty young and uh it was you know a much smaller affair and you know there was movie and tv stuff but it was mostly if it was had something to do with comic books you know like it was really about comic books uh in a a big way but then star wars came along and i went to the uh (laughs) i went to the comic-con and sat around you know in a long line and sat around in the auditorium for forever to have one of the producers of empire strikes back come out and premiere the trailer oh yeah and it was so like you know of course now premiering of trailers is just like you know it's just a a thing that happens on the internet but the the notion of a trailer premiering just at one event you know i don't know how i don't know how soon after that it started playing in theaters but we felt so special and you know star wars we didn't think Star Wars, we didn't think they could make the next one better, you know, yeah. and the trailer for Empire Strikes Back just really already started selling the idea that, oh, this is more Star Wars, but, you know, even cooler. Um, so we just went berserk. And, you know, and they, I, they, I think they played it twice, you know, but, uh, oh, they God, yeah. but, you know, they didn't try out the cast and all that kind of stuff. It was just, you know, George Lucas wasn't there. It was just, a, you know, one of the other producers, you know, uh, on the movie. And, you know, and then he gave, you know, he did a lot of boring talking, you know, that was like still kind of fun just because it was about Star Wars. But yeah, um, yeah, it was a wild Thing watching uh, Comic-Con just really transmogrify into, you know, what it is today, which is just a, a big advertising event for so many things that aren't comic books. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yes, 100%. Yes. Yeah. I, but I will say all that being said, and I agree that the trailer just ends up on the Internet immediately thereafter. But I feel like they do still premiere trailers at Comic-Con. That, oh yeah, where absolutely. you know that the first place you you know you spend the night overnight to see it, even though you know that everyone is going to see the trailer like five minutes after the panel ends, it will just be you know out yeah. out there. But like that That's feeling of being like, about. but I was there. Yeah. yeah, but that was the but the exclusivity of this thing was just you know the the next step wasn't the internet. The next step was you had to go see some movie that the trailer happened to be playing in front of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and I'm sure it's, you know, most 20th century Fox movies probably were uh, hyping it up. And, but also that, I think around that time, probably that started creating the notion of trailers that come out way too far ahead of their movies. Yeah. Uh, I Which that, is definitely, yeah, that definitely happens now. You know, because there's a few years between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, but they wanted to get something out there to strike while the iron was hot, I think. So the trailer uh, probably came out way farther ahead than it, than it should have. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I feel like trailers should only be like, you know, these are the movies that are coming to this theater next. You know, like, yeah. uh, this is what's next. Not, I hate teaser trailers and, you know, like, coming next year, you know, like, I'll laugh out loud if it's, like, right now, there's trailers probably that say something about it being in 2024. It's just like, come oh, on. You're 100% right. 23. Let's relax. 
Yeah, and you it know? feels like they're you're you're the further away from the event you are, the more it's like I mean, I feel like I have I think we all have that image in our head of whatever the like rising to a climax of just the still almost still shots you have without any dialogue of just like people looking dramatic and like maybe there's like a, a, a musical sting as it's getting to the very last it's like like with the like and this actor and this actor mm-hmm. and look this actor has different hair than you're used to and this actor and you're like oh you you guys just started shooting like i don't I don't think you have anything. <laughs> you're just, yeah. You just had them look off into the distance on a green screen, and that's what you're working off of with like some suspenseful music. Yeah, it's uh, the the ones that you know, and sometimes it's not even it's even less than that. You know, like they'll just like a teaser trailer for like the live action Aladdin would just be like you know a long tracking shot that ends on a lamp. And then it just says, you know, Aladdin, <laughs> December of two years from now or whatever. It's just like, we get it. But the internet is a terrific place to get the word out that you yeah. that the movie's coming. You know, like the teaser trailers, I think initially the idea is you'd be sitting in a theater and the teaser trailer would make you go, what? That's a thing that's going to happen? You know, like it, it really would tease you as opposed to just being like, uh, now it's just sort of like, okay, great. Uh, I'll, I'll worry about that, you know, six months from now. Right. You know, it's too early to get hyped. Were you, um, because you loved movies so much and because you were doing so much theater, was that, did that ever translate into like, man, like, I mean, I guess it would be more in college, but like, if somebody had like a big old, like, portable, you know, camera that we could like start shooting some pseudo movies <laughs> on. Like, I had, I had the, the friends that were, uh, yeah, always trying to make movies. And I, you know, kind of always have like i've always just known people that are you know making their own things or whatever and yeah that, that even started in high school uh a friend of mine got crazy ambitious and over several summers because of the success of jaws decided you know he's gonna make his own shark attack movie he called it the, <gasps> really yeah he called it the cove and you know to his credit, he eventually got it finished and got it to play like in one theater, like in La Jolla or something in San Diego, like near where he shot it. And, you know, it didn't turn out good, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he just had the tenacity to, you know, to, to get it done. And this is like, you know, I, I don't even think he was out of high school yet when we were Jesus. working on this thing. And he made, How did he handle the shark? He made this big ass shark that I like what? several times got to be the person inside it. Just what? we just, you know, because the idea is it was to attacking people in shallow waters. So and the thing was like hollow. So you just get up inside it and just sort of guide it in whatever direction he needed for the shot. And that's uh, pretty cool. So I got to like be in the shark sometimes. Yeah, it was crazy, like the how elaborate it was. And how he he was always making like little models and stuff. And like one time oh, he man. made a model of like a house uh, that looked pretty realistic. And we took it out on a hill and then rolled some, you know, filmed and rolled some rocks through it. But I that's really cool. I never got the bug to be the filmmaker. I always just wanted to, you know, act and write and, uh, you know, uh, never, never be in charge of everything, you know, like because you still hear it all the time. Uh, you know, if you don't want to answer a thousand questions a day, do not be the director. Yes. yes. It's just too yeah, many. It's that. just too much for me, even though I do, you know, like uh, 
uh, creative control or whatever. I still yeah. know. Um, so I never like got that bug when, you know, I never, cause also, you know, it, it was just drilled into our heads when Jaws was such a success that Steven Spielberg, you know, started making films when he was 14 and uh, snuck onto the universal studios lot and all that stuff. So, you know, I never made films, but I did plenty of sneaking onto studio lots. And uh, I, in my early twenties, I went to the Oscars twice. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Because back then you know if you just put on a tuxedo it seemed like you were supposed to be there <laughs> and uh you know you needed a ticket but uh me and my friend you know would do the uh you know they have ticket takers on either side of the door so you, yeah. you approach one like you're gonna give them a ticket and then you flip around like you're gonna give it to the other person and you know and you never had a ticket in the first place but both people think the other person got the ticket oh my god i must have known that you went to the oscars <laughs> twice and i'm just forgetting that that's that can't be something that you've, I mean, obviously that is information that's out there. I must know this. And well, we didn't have, it. and the thing is, is me and my friend that, you know, I did it with two different friends, uh, you know, cause the first time, uh, or, yeah, the first time I did it with one guy and then the second time he didn't want to, you know, go through it all again. So another guy went, but, uh, in, in both cases, it was, uh, we weren't seat fillers and we weren't, we didn't have tickets, you know, we didn't have ticketed <laughs> seats so that we couldn't, we couldn't sit down anywhere. So it was just a matter of like staying in motion and trying to be around the, the, the most interesting things. Um, <laughs> Which seems doable. Like yeah. there's enough stops and starts and stuff going on there that I can imagine that that was doable. Well, we found the elevator. This is at the Dorothy Chander Pavilion in L.A. We found the elevator that goes one year. We found the elevator that goes to the uh, press level. Uh, and the people, everybody, when they win their Oscars, they have to go, you know, right to the press level. And then when they're done in there, then they get in another elevator and go, uh, you know, back to go, like, just go back to their seat and watch the rest of the awards. But, yeah. uh, so me and my friend just ended up in an elevator with, uh, uh, Sidney Pollack holding two Oscars and William Hurt holding one and Marley Matlin uh, it was just a dream in her eye because she didn't get nominated until the following year. Wow. But wow, she and wow, William wow, Hurt wow. were already dating because they worked yeah. on that movie together. And he won for uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman. And uh, uh, this is what happened. We, me and my friend are standing in the elevator with the three of them. Of course, we didn't say anything. <laughs> but uh, uh, William Hurt said to Sidney Pollack, and rest in peace, both those guys, I guess, uh, <laughs> he said to him, uh, do you want me to hold one of those for you? <laughs> That's the kind of fun conversations that happen when people just won Oscars. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. I'm Jordan Morris. And I'm Jesse Thorne. On Jordan Jesse Go, we make pure, delightful nonsense. We rope in awesome guests and bring them down to our level. We got stupid with Judy Greer. My friend Molly and I call it having the space weirds. Pat Oswalt. Can I get a Balrog burger and some Aragorn fries? Thank you. And Kumail Nanjiani. I've come back with cat toothbrushes, which is impossible to use. Come get stupider with us at MaximumFun.org. Look, your podcast app's already open. Just pull it out. Give Jordan Jesse Go a try. Being smart is hard. Be dumb instead. 
Oh, Russ. Hey, hey. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I found you in line. These clouds are really freaking me out. I hate having to stand in line. And boy, what a line. These giraffes do not smell good. No, they do not. And they have such short necks. But I'm hearing we need to get on this we ark. we got to get on the ark. It yeah. is about to rain. God is about to destroy humanity. Hey, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Are you Noah? Yeah, I know we look like humans, but we're actually <laughs> yes, we're <totally>. podcasters. <laughs> we are podcasters, so it's different. Have you heard of Ono, Ross, and Carrie? We investigate spirituality, claims of the paranormal, stuff like that. And you have a boat and say the world's going to end, so seem like something for us to check out. We would love to be on the boat. We came two by two. What do you think? Ono, Ross, and Carrie, available on MaximumFun.org. This is actually a very good segue into the Smash game, um, because now I want to know three uh, actors or filmmakers, whoever might win an Oscar, three people that you would like to be in an elevator with right after they won an Oscar. Oh, interesting. Um, so these are, we're narrowing this down to people who have won Oscars? No, I'll say it could be anyone who has or hasn't won. Okay. But just what three, we're, we're narrowing it down to act, actor, actresses? Um, no, I would say if you want to stick a director or a, a cinematographer <laughs> oh. in there. Oh, my goodness. Let's see, what, let's see what's exciting to Doug Redson. <laughs> Living or dead? Living or dead. Oh, no. Well, you that could only got, pick three. That got really interesting. So I think what I'd do is I'd go uh, three of my favorite uh director writer auteur types uh billy wilder oh, great. uh stanley kubrick yeah and uh stevie spielberg stevie spiels because just to throw you know even if it's a short ride just to throw something at the three of them and get a reaction i've met i met billy wilder briefly and got him to sign a, a book that was about him Oh, that's cool. And he was very old at the time. <laughs> <laughs> he was very, uh, you know, it was near the end, but uh, but still so exciting to me because, like, growing up, uh, Stum Like a Hot was always uh, one of my favorites. Absolutely. Okay, great. All right. Uh, next one, let's, I got to do my, one of my perennial favorites. Uh, three movies that you can jump into and just hang out in whenever you want. You're not reliving the plot. You're just there in that world with those characters. Oh, okay. Uh, and well, no harm can come to you. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah. That's a good rule. That's a good point. Because so many movies, there's this dangerous shit going on everywhere. Yep. yep. Um, so I would say, and this is like, this is the kind of question that if you ask me tomorrow, my answer would be so different. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. It's, it's, it's yeah. different in the, in the this moment. This is ephemeral in the moment for sure. Yeah. It's not the same. And I was just wrestling with this question recently because I've been doing a thing on my Instagram where there's like somebody posted uh, a 30 day challenge where each day, you, you know, it's a different type of movie, like your favorite villain, your favorite you know the best scenery like just you know and you have to pick one you know i've i've decided that the challenge is to pick one movie in each category and yeah. uh, ugh, it's so hard so i just keep it's saying so hard. i keep saying this is how i feel today but tomorrow i'll probably remember another movie that would have fit better here but so for yep. starters i want to say uh, scott pilgrim versus the world great because i love the cast and the aesthetic and uh, everything about it 
Absolutely. It'd be so fun to hang out there, except for how cold it would get at parts. Because <laughs> yep. it's Toronto in the wintertime. Yep. <laughs> that part. Yeah, they were really, really cold making that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so two more. Yeah. Uh, uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder. Yeah. Who's just on my mind a lot lately because people can't get over how much the bear looks like him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they keep finding pictures of those soulful, soulful eyes and frazzy, oh, frazzled yeah. hair and they just like can't get over how similar they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've seen the, I've seen some, some of that memeing and I, I can't say I'm completely on board for like it being a shocking likeness. I, I, right. I get the vibe. I get the vibe. They the find vibe. the right poses. They find the right poses. For sure. Exactly. To, to match up. So they, they yeah. seem similar. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And so then, you know, and obviously I'd want to spend more time at the factory than at the, the Bucket's house. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be pushing an oar into a bunch of gray water. <laughs> no. Stirring I... around a soup of laundry. <laughs> The four old people sharing the bed, like when I was a kid, <laughs> I never questioned it. it you never, never questioned it. It never bothered me. That, and also that like the, Joe had to learn how to walk again just to I go know. to this factory. <laughs> like what? They're all like, what are they just trying to hasten their <laughs> their deaths? Like, let's just lay here until we get blood clots. <laughs> let's not move at all. What? What? I can't remember if it's, I mean, that must have, obviously that came from the book, which I guess that's the answer is like Roald Dahl was like, you know, yeah, kind of a weird, kind of a dark weirdo. Yeah, but it wasn't supposed to be filmed like it's normal. You know, (laughs) like, like there should have been a narrator or somebody, you know, like if it was in the Dr. Seuss story, there would be like kind of a couplet about how silly it was, what they were doing. Yes, but exactly. instead, it's just sort of like we're poor, so we're all just going to stay in bed because all we do is eat cabbage and and <laughs> and, and dirty water. Um, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> so we'll put you in the factory a lot more. But I do love that movie so so very much. It's, Me too. it's one of my like childhood like you know just I was just fascinated with it. Me too. Because um, I like you know I I feel like I've liked things that are creepy, funny, and have music in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. <laughs> it ticks Same. all those boxes. Um, okay, so a third place that I'd like to live in, be in, in a movie. Oh, this is kind of, this is tough. Uh, oh, I guess like, uh, you know, like animated, like maybe like a Lego movie. Sure. Would be fun. Just Absolutely. Hang out because they like, they're always fighting, but it's like, you know. When they're shooting their guns, they go pew pew. Uh-huh. So it's uh, you know, I, it, <laughs> oh that maybe that may reminded me of like, do you remember that movie Bugsy Malone? Oh my god, I talk Where about they, that movie way more than I should. They throw I pies. Talk about that movie often. Yeah, yeah they, they throw it, pies and they hit and they're and they're like yeah, their they gats have, have cream puffs in them and yeah, stuff. Yeah, they have guns that shoot the pies. But it's like, but here's what's funny about it is it's like, you know, it's to protect the children, you know, and not make it violent. But the characters still die when they get hit with the pies. It's there's no logic to it. There's no logic to it. It's like they sure they don't expressly say Jodie Foster's character is a call girl who has sex for money or power. But um, 
I mean, we all know how those movies and, and plots work. Like, yeah. we know when she's provocatively singing. And the fact that they use adult voices for the lips, for just the songs, and then mm-hmm. the kids use their regular voices is also, like, super... Speak, it's, it's sort of disturbing on the same level as Willy Wonka in that it's like, wait, no one's explaining this? <laughs> like, all the male no one's voices. explaining how crazy this is? <laughs> all the male voices in that movie are, are uh, just uh, Paul Williams with his voice voice altering you know devices yeah basically like because he plays you know characters with different you know different singing voices but uh he he does them all i mean are you serious yeah yeah oh my god i never realized yeah he wrote the music and then he's just i mean i know he wrote the music one song he sounds like this another one he sounds like you know like yeah i didn't i never realized that i don't know who does the girls because there's two girls in it that sing quite a bit. And even a third one, now that I think of it. Uh, I don't oh know. Oh, my God. I'm in shock right now. But wait, even the little black kid who's like, tomorrow, mm-hmm. that's tomorrow just, uh, never that's comes. Just, exactly. You, you sound like Paul Williams singing it back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to cross out Lego great. Movie and put Bugsy Malone in here. No. Yeah. The music's great. I won't do it to you. Uh, uh, the music is great. Paul Williams is But amazing. the whole thing is very weird. Um, God, it's so weird. Okay. All right. Uh, next category. This is some romance. Uh, it's a mash game. Got to get some love or sexy times in there. This is not, I'm not committing you to a relationship. This is just, you know, little, little fun, however long or short you'd like it to last. Three people living, dead, any age, any era, cartoons. It's up to you. Wow. Cartoons. That really throws up. Well, because several people have picked the fox from Robin Hood over time. I Each one say. feeling that they must be crazy, and I'm like, "You're no, you're not." In fact, this is a popular answer. <laughs> I mean, there's you know, there's something about them, like you mm-hmm. know, Judy Hops. Oh, sure. Um, put her down. She seems, yeah, she seems like yeah. a real. She'd be real sweet. I mean, she's a little too serious about law enforcement. <laughs> I don't like. You'll that. change that. I, I like that power tripping that's going to go on, but. Um, <laughs> Um, there's that lady who was she won the Tony for the band's visit and then she did company and now I'm drawing a blank on her name but she's and if it's Broadway I'm useless she's awesome why are you so uh, lacking of Broadway information I'm not really a I don't see a lot of musicals on Broadway Just a, it's just a taste thing or a time and money thing I think it's a little of of both. I think I'm I'm really bad at planning uh, stuff when I'm traveling, and so because I I am mercurial enough that I'm like I don't know. Will I feel like just walking around and like stumbling on something, or will I feel like sitting in a packed house where my knees might be touching the seat in front of me, like depending on what theater it is? And so there's a little bit of like you know, and then and then just being like ugh. I don't need I don't, the, I don't need to go to that ticket booth and stand there in a line waiting for the cheapy ticket. So it just never happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, also I I think I'm I have really have to be in the mood for a musical. I think yeah, that's like uh, especially if you're not in the mood for a musical. I could uh, you know it's happened to me a few times. You know that I'm not in the right mood for it, and then it's just also the type of musical it is doesn't, yeah. doesn't appeal to me. So then it, it does end up becoming like. Uh, like torture but uh but in general i just love it because you know it just stems from for me from uh 
not only it's just sort of movies and TV, but like just happening live and, you know, in front of your face. But also yeah. that was another thing my drama teacher did in high school that was so uh, incredible. And I was one I was one of the students that took advantage of it more than other students. She set it up so that the uh, the local, you know, there's like an old globe theater in San Diego that has like three stages and they're constantly putting on. Uh, you know, really good shows. A lot of times it's stuff that ends up transferring to Broadway, like Into the Woods started there. And, yeah, that's uh, very cool. Yeah, so that theater, she worked it out with them that, uh, you know, if we uh, picked a date, we could go down there, uh, you know, in a white shirt and a black tie and black pants and uh, usher, you know, seat people for the show for no money, but get to then sit down and watch the show. And yeah. my drama teacher would give us extra credit if we did it, which is something I would have wanted to do anyway. So the yeah. the extra credit on top of that just made me like, a, you know, straight A's in drama because I'd always just keep ushering at these shows and getting extra credit for it. But also just seeing these amazing plays, many of which I found incredibly boring. But like <laughs> ulti ultimately, it just made me really like absorb wanting to be a part of that world, either as a spectator or as a participant. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just pulled up. Let me read some names to you. All I did was I I just Googled company, actress, Broadway, Tonys. Yeah. So I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I'm coming up with the right names, but obviously <laughs> even I know Patty Lupone. Even I know Patty Lupone. Right. Um, I'm assuming it's not Patty Lupone. No. Uh, what about? You know, it was the John, it was the gender switch company that they just did, and she played Bobby, which was like the Jennifer Simmered. No, she's also in that. Okay. She's she's very funny. I do like her very much. <laughs> Damn. Uh, but uh, Sutton Foster. No, she's, no, I know who Sutton Foster is. She's not. She's not in company. But uh, this is fun, though. This is fun that uh, that I'm. It's turned into trying a to, movies, trying to uh, quiz. This out, yeah. Because I, I, it's so funny to me that I can't remember her name because I, it should be, you know, quite obvious. What if I say cast of company and simmered, then that should, or simmered, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I'm, I apologize, Jennifer. I'll probably have you on the podcast now that this has happened. I got it. Uh, I got okay. it. You got it? You got yeah, it? Yeah. Her name's Katrina Link. Oh, I, also, I almost said Katrina Link because I saw her buried down in a later search she okay. won the tony uh doing this this uh, is a it was the stage version of a band's visit which is a a movie about a band that goes to the wrong town and uh but it's an insanely small town so they just have to kind of like hang out for a night and uh this little spark of romance happens between uh she co-star with uh in the original production it was tony shalhoub oh great and uh she won a tony and uh i think he won too and then a, a guy who played a supporting role in it won a tony anyway i, I i'm telling a person who doesn't care about broadway shows about <laughs> awards that they've gotten like it doesn't make sense so, i have uh, <laughs> i have huge huge respect and awe so it's, it's it's fine it's worth it katrina link i've got her um and what's your, fa your final one? one you spend uh, so much of your time around all different kinds of performances, uh, you know, like with uh, curating festivals and stuff that uh, I, I can completely forgive the uh, lack of commitment to uh, Broadway. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> I think that does have something to do with it, though. I think you're right. Yeah, you're, it's not like you're just sitting at home and not going yeah. to Broadway. You're, you're seeing things. You're seeing plenty of you know stuff more stuff than a lot of people 
it's just more sketch and improv and stand up and stuff. Yeah. And that being said, I'm going to need your recommendation for a show I should see the next time I'm in New York. Oh, okay. Like a musical or, or a play? Offline. Okay. We're going to offline that because okay. I because because I got to get to I really need to know who this juicy uh, romantic third person is. Third person. Oh, 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 for sure. Uh, as the, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Buffy, the vampire great. player. Great, great. That great. was I was way too into that show for the uh, age I was when it was on. <laughs> great. <laughs> great, great, great. OK. All right. Next one is. Three comedians from any time, any era that uh, you would like to perform with um, in some way. Like we're bending time and space. So, right. Whatever that means. Okay. Well, I definitely uh, George Carlin. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'd say Joan Rivers. Right. Who I've had a mild amount of regret because she, you know, because she died so kind of unexpectedly, like she wasn't in bad health or anything until she just had a bad surgery yeah. situation. So yeah. she died rather unexpectedly. But before she died, she had this podcast where she would uh, lay in bed with her guest and just chat. Yeah. And uh, they asked me to do it. And, you know, I was over the moon about the idea of meeting her, but it was also clear that they were just asking comedians and like, so you come into the situation with her being pretty much totally unfamiliar. Yeah. Like if she knew who I was, then I would, I would have like jumped on it. But the idea of meeting Joan Rivers and having to make her laugh without any uh, any base of like she has no idea what my right. persona is or what I do and you're in bed <laughs> and we're laying in a bed like it just all just scared me that's a lot of like, pressure and you know and I might have given into it if you know if she had lived in it if it had gone on for a while you know but yeah. my initial reaction was oh, I just I feel I feel so weird doing that like I just respect her and like her so much yeah uh, that. that it would just be weird just be like you know because like I did a Comedy Central show where Sandra Bernhard was hosting and like um, she didn't she either probably didn't watch my set. But or if she did, she just didn't she wasn't taken with me in any. She just never said anything uh, to me other than just what, you know, she had to say, like introducing me and stuff. And, uh, you know, that one like kind of sits with me because, you know, it's always frustrating with somebody you really like. When oh, you sure. do, when you do get in that situation where they can see what you do and then they don't they don't care, yeah. Then <laughs> and, and some of them are probably pretending that it was you know it was good, but I don't I don't I'll take it I'll take me too you know, I'll take anybody really cool telling me I, you know that they liked it <laughs> like you know uh, anyway so um, what do we have to do now I lost track uh, last last uh, last co- comedian that you would like to perform oh with. right the third one um, gosh this is so hard because that's the thing is I just grew up. Loving comedians and comedy and just watching all of it all the time without ever really um, thinking I wanted to become one. Yeah. You know, so that that was who I, those are all the people I, you know, uh, idolized. Does Carol Burnett count as a comic? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's do her. Because she, I watched her on TV every Saturday night and even went in uh, while I was in high school. I got to go on a bus trip up to L.A. and watch a taping of her show. Oh, that's awesome. Steve Martin was one of the guests and he wasn't Damn. that he wasn't that famous yet. Like the jerk hadn't come out yet. 
Yeah. Uh, he was just kind of a comedian. A lot of people knew, and I was already a huge fan. And I said to one of the ushers, uh, you know, can you get me Steve Martin's autograph? And then the usher went backstage and came back with something with Steve Martin written on it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Steve Martin wrote it or not. <laughs> it's the only autograph I have where I didn't meet the person. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was That's so amazing. weird. I mean, it's amazing. It's also like worth keeping just imagining that usher being like, yeah, fuck this guy. And then just writing Steve Martin on a piece of paper and bringing it back out. So it works either way. It works yeah. either way. No, it was really uh, nice of that person. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> or, or, you know, they were a page, I should say, not an usher. They were like, oh, gotcha. They were okay, a CBS yeah. page with sense. the with the red jacket and the uh, just basically just having to seat seat people and make sure they don't yeah. steal anything. I bet it is his. I bet it is his. Um, okay, next one: three foods that you can have at the snap of your fingers, and um, in this alternate universe, nothing is bad for you, nothing's bad for the environment. Whatever, whatever you want, it's not the only thing you're eating. You can just have it whenever you want. Three: bacon, great, ice cream, great, and I'll just do a really generic uh, candy, yeah, a coverall, a coverall, not, wonderful. I, I don't have. I'm not like a chocoholic necessarily. <laughs> Got it. Chocoholic. Um, okay. Three places in the world that you would love to have uh, like a second, like a vacation home if we could just kind of teleport you there. You didn't have to worry about traveling. Right. That God dang traveling. Like mm-hmm. I love Australia, but it was too far to go. Well, guess what? You want me to put Australia down? I do. Yeah. Great. What, what should I pick? Melbourne or Sydney? I like Melbourne. Or just go straight to the outback. Don't go to the outback. Please don't go to the outback. <laughs> uh, okay. Whichever, whichever one you prefer. Although Sydney, I guess, has more like just exciting stuff that comes through and theater that you're going to want to see. I'm going to give you Sydney. Okay. That's where the opera house is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you want. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we want. Great. Okay. Sydney, two more. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Amsterdam. <laughs> Um, yeah and oh boy i guess i mean a lot of people probably would hate this answer but i'm gonna say palm springs got it it's close to where i already live but that's part of what i like about it is it's just similar but hotter yeah oh you crazy son of a bitch you you people who like it hotter Oh, I love some, some like it hotter. I've always, you know, I grew up in in San Diego, so you know, <laughs> I when I would get up, go to the morning, go to school in the morning. If it, you know, was anything below sixty, it was just horrible, you know, because it was always so nice. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I, well, that, I feel the opposite, which is I'm from Tucson, and so anything above eighty feels like, oh, here we go, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. You know, if L.A. wasn't so close to San Diego, I would probably be like, I don't know what I'd be in San Diego. Maybe like a DJ or, you know, it would be something, you <gasps> know. my next category. My next category <laughs> okay, is alternate ahead. universe jobs. I'm putting a DJ down. Yeah, a DJ, uh, thief. Great. <laughs> or, you know, just common criminal. Great. Because that sneaking in the Oscars thing, that's just the tip, tip of the iceberg. Like, I just have always <laughs> been somebody... My parents, we went to Disneyland one time when I was like 13 and my dad was buying the tickets and they were looking around, where's Doug? And I was already inside. 
<laughs> you know, that kind That's of stuff. So my, whole, my whole life, I've just been like always looking for those things. Because also, <laughs> I knew that if they caught me, I'd go, oh, my parents are right over there buying the tickets. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't yeah. like a real crime, but it was still yep. interesting to try to pull it off. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've been I've I've been like that as a as a like cute-ish white woman who looks like she could have kids but doesn't like going into an empty house and being like <laughs> oh I thought my friend was showing this yeah. out. it's not for oh, sale okay <laughs> I'm, I, can I still have a look around <laughs> okay common criminal thief love yeah. it what's your third one but you know, I think that show business is full of, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of con men and con women in a sense, because yeah. you, you're basically getting people to pay you for just what you have to say. Yeah. You yeah. know, which is just like Harold Hill coming into town telling everybody they need, <gasps> they need instruments. P.T. Barnum. Uh, yeah. Fisted sky. <laughs> uh, okay. So third profession. Uh, what do we have so far? We have DJ. Thief. <laughs> What's another, <laughs> another thing? Oh, uh, well, uh, a, a good one that, that I still sort of cling to in, you know, kind of did early on before I got to do do more stuff myself is a uh, critic, film, TV, theater, okay. whatever, just a critic. I, uh, that Perfect. was something I would definitely have become if I, you know, if that, that could have happened. Yeah. Okay, great. And then last category is like three skills that we can sort of download into your brain matrix style that you would like to wake up with tomorrow and be like, yeah, I'm amazing at XYZ. Oh, uh, well, let's go ahead and start with singing. Great. Might as well play the piano. Might as well. And might as well know French. Great, great, and great. <laughs> okay, give me a number between one and ten. Six. Okay, great. All right, I'm going to do some very mystical math uh, that leads us to our MASH answers. Will you please tell people uh, what they need to be seeing, listening to, watching, experiencing that um, is all things Doug, ben Doug Benson? Uh, well, there's numerous. I think I have three podcasts going, two are free everywhere. One is on Patreon, and all things Doug Benson are at DougLovesMovies.com because that's one of the podcasts and uh yeah all my road dates for stand-up and douglas movies tapings and all that stuff is is there i'm on threads now <laughs> <laughs> i guess i am too although i've done zero on it right you just click a button and you're like okay i'm on there i guess yeah, yeah. first part, I, hard part's over now i yeah i am i'm so far i've mostly just been taking movie posters that you can add th to uh, some a word and turn it into thread. Uh, you know, I've just been kind of basically <laughs> my own weird photoshopping of just you know drop dead thread and uh, <laughs> thread dawn stuff like that. <laughs> so dumb, it's so stupid, stupid and perfect. <laughs> and yet, some would argue that is what social media is for. Why? Why have we been overusing it? Yeah. Okay. All right. I've got your. Uh, I've got your mash. Uh, future. This is very exciting. I think you're going to be happy about it. Um, first of all, I don't know if you're going to end up in bed with her, but you and Joan Rivers are going to have a rematch. Um, but it's not a rematch because it never was a match. So you're going to get to, to, to perform with Joan Rivers in whatever capacity feels right to you. And she's going to come in already a fan, already a peer who respects you. And you guys are going to have a great show together, whether that's in your house in Amsterdam or... Perhaps somewhere in the Los Angeles area that is 
we are a full go on that. I do kind of want to see the Lego Joan Rivers version. Um, you can jump into the Lego movie whenever you want. So if you want to, I'm excited to see the Lego Doug Benson. I'm excited to see, again, I would like to see a set of you and Joan Rivers in the Lego movie. <laughs> Maybe I'm combining too many things, but that was exciting to me. Um, I don't know if you're going to be a critic for your the, the your own movie that you can pop into whenever you want, but you are a beloved critic of all things or one thing pop culture, depending on what you decide. You um, somewhere in this journey end up in an elevator with Stevie Spielberg as he has just won an Oscar, which is pretty cool. Uh, and I think that leaves us with just three beautiful things that all go great together. You feeding bacon to Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> and singing her a beautiful, sexy song <laughs> as you go. I think Buffy prefers a steak. Get it? You're right. Get oh, it? that's so terrible. <laughs> if I could hang up on you, I would, but I can't. I can't. God damn it. That's so terrible. I can't but you're hang right. up on you. That's You're like, right. that's long distance Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe slightly less shocking to people if it's just over the phone, but yeah. Yeah, okay, there you go. It is, it is. Oh, it's so romantic. Um, okay, my final thing before I let you go is I would like to give you the opportunity to honor the uh, time-worn tradition as started by Steve Agee when he told me that I needed to call this The Boys of Summer uh, series, uh, I would like to invite you to sing some of Don Henley's Boys of Summer, and I cannot and will not auto-tune you. Okay. Um. um unfortunately, I'm not a fan of the song, so <laughs> I only know the lyrics. Not by, a prerequisite. It's being, not a prerequisite. I'm yeah. excited that you brought the guitar in right away, because that's very rare. I don't think people <laughs> people don't usually bring Right? Well, because the beginning the of it is just a really slow burn, I think. Yeah, of like just it's sort very of like, slow burn. It takes a while to get into it. I think that yeah. I think they wrote songs like that that way, because then they, you know, they're good for movies, you know, because the scene could be playing under the <gasps> instrumental so part, right. and then the words kick in. Um, so uh, I just something about, and I never liked Don Hen Henley's lyrics. But um, that being said, after the boys of summer have gone, yeah, that's it. That's the song. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Doug Benson, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you. Oh, what a treat. I got so many things I got to catch up on now. Just I need to, re first of all, I got to revisit bacon. I need some bacon. Oh, um, bacon's so good. Bacon's so good. Uh, everybody else, uh, you know what? Go eat some bacon. Go eat whatever it is that is your personal bacon. We all have a personal bacon like we all have a personal aguapo. And I will talk to you next time on the podcast. Yes, that was a Three Amigos deep cut. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, number one, we could save kittens from trees. Lunch on skyscrapers, bring the villains to their knees. Maybe we should. Someplace new and 
Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.